hope is found in the name of Jesus. I don't know what you came in here carrying today, but my hope and my prayer for you is that you leave here experiencing the power of that name of Jesus. Will you join me in prayer before we open God's word together? Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. And as we move into a time where we open your word together, we ask that it would be a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path, that we would encounter you and experience all that you have for us. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you can be seated and as you're sitting down, say hey to somebody around you. It is so great to be here with you this morning. My name is Pastor Nick Newman, and I want to welcome you. If you are a first-time guest with us today, I think you picked an incredible weekend. This is a group expo weekend here at Propel Church. It's where we help you take the next step and actually get connected in biblical community because we believe that church shouldn't just be something that's done on Sunday. It should be something where you and I are building relationships, where we're growing with people all throughout the week. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. But because of that, the structure of today's worship experience is a little bit different than what our normal worship experience looks like. Normally we do three songs, the message, another song, and then have a time of announcements. But today I'm, act- I'm all you got. So at the end of the message today, I'm actually going to release you and you're going to have the opportunity to go find a group if you'd like to get connected and, and grow in your relationship with Jesus. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about groups in just a second. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to go over a couple of things that are coming up at Propel Church, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to open God's Word together. So if you're here, and maybe you've wanted to get connected for a little while, but you don't really know how to, we've designed a four-week course for you called Discover. Those courses don't have to be completed in any order, but it's where we help you really uncover how God uniquely wired you and designed you so that you can get plugged in and connected in the local church. And so next weekend, step two of Discover is going to take place, and it says step two, but again, you don't have to complete these in any order. We would love for you to join in on the journey wherever you're at, but next week is all about your unique design, so we'd love to help you figure out the spiritual gifts that God's given you and what you've got going on in your life. That takes place during the 1030 worship experience with refreshments and child care provided. Now, maybe you've been coming to Propel for a little while and you've made a decision for Jesus, or maybe you've been following Jesus for a long period of time, but you've never made the decision to go public with your faith. On February the 17th, we have the opportunity to celebrate baptism together. I know today is the Super Bowl, but for followers of Jesus, baptism is like a Super Bowl. It's this incredibly big celebration where we take the time to go, man, God, you are moving in such a powerful way. We want to celebrate with those who have made decisions and are going public with their faith. And if you want to be baptized, you can indicate that on this Connect card, or you can find one of the Dream Team members. They'll help you get signed up for that. Those are the people who are in the I'm Here to Serve t-shirts. And last, if you came prepared to give today, you can do so through the giving envelopes you received when you came in or try one of our digital giving options. If you missed last weekend at Propel, we talked about um, a 90-day giving challenge. We talked a lot about putting Jesus at the center of our finances. I would encourage you to go on our website or find us on YouTube and and watch that message because it's really, really powerful. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna open God's word together. God, we love you so much and we just thank you for the privilege and honor 
it is to gather together to be your people. And as we open your word together, we pray that it would be a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. God, that we would be forever changed by your word. And Lord, today is a big day, so we pray for favor, grace, and mercy, and for the Rams to win the Super Bowl. In Jesus' name, amen. All the Rams fans are like, yes. I told somebody the other day, and then I'm going to open scripture with you. Tom Brady's a lot like mold. You think you get rid of it, it just keeps coming back every <laughs> single time. So today at Propel Church is going to be one of those incredible worship experiences where we get to gather together and, and talk through why groups are important. If you look out in the lobby, the, the, the banners that cover the trophy cases, there's this big culture statement that says we commit to community. When my wife and I started this church a little over three years ago, we had a heart and a passion that this wouldn't just be something that you did on Sundays. I know there are some churches where you come in and, and you just get to sit through Sunday and then you just don't show up till the next weekend. We believe that God created you for relationships. We believe that God created you to be inside of biblical community, and it really does make a difference. And so I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about putting Jesus at the center of your friendships, because I believe that, that who you surround yourself with really does matter in life. So for example, like growing up, I, I loved browsing on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace wasn't a thing yet. I, I actually just love the shop. Like I'm not afraid of spending some money. I actually like buying used things and selling them and the, the thing in between is called profit. Profit is good in Jesus' name. So like I love that kind of stuff and, and, and I would browse on Craigslist and I was, I was like 15, 16. I really didn't understand why everybody would put these disclaimers on things like couches and cars and it would go something like this. This is a smoke-free environment or this is a pet free environment. Now here's what we know. If you, if you are a, a, a furniture owner and you've been in a house where the furniture had someone who just sat on the couch and smoked cigarettes on it, you know that what happens in that environment actually affects the overall condition of whatever is in it. So for you and I, I think a lot of times we feel like we are, are all alone or it's an isolated incident that, that our environment would actually affect, shape, or change who we are. But the environments that you're a part of really do make a difference. The environments that you're in will shape, mold, and change the overall condition of your life and of your soul. It's One scholar has said, if you show me your friends, I can show you your future. Because who you surround yourself with matters. And so I want to talk about friendship. I want to talk to you today from 1 Kings chapter 12. And we're going to pick up the story with a guy named Rehoboam. Now, you may not have heard of Rehoboam. That's because his story really doesn't end well. We only find him in about seven chapters of Scripture. But Rehoboam has this incredible lineage. If you thought you had big shoes to fill, maybe your parents were incredible people or your grandparents were awesome, Rehoboam's granddad is David. Like giant slayer, sling and stone, flick, boom, pop, giant fall, David. Like he's known throughout all the world, as all the nation, as a man who's after God's own heart. And yeah, he made a ton of mistakes and he had faults and he had flaws and failures. But, but time and time again, he comes back into the presence of God ready to pursue him. Those are some really big shoes to fill. Well, David has a son and his son is named 
Solomon. So, so now Rehoboam's father is Solomon. Solomon is known in Scripture as the wisest man to ever live. So you want to talk about some big shoes to fill. He's stepping into dad as the wisest man who ever lived and granddad the giant slayer. We pick up in 1 Kings chapter 12 where Solomon, Rehoboam's dad, has just passed away and he's left him keys to the kingdom. He is now the king and the people of the community are like, hey man, your dad, yeah, he may have been the wisest guy to ever live, but dude, he worked us hard. They had some requests and some demands for him. And this is what it says in 1 Kings chapter 12, beginning in verse 4. It says, your father, he put a heavy yoke on us. But now lighten the, the harsh labor and the heavy yoke that he put on us, and we will serve you. So what they're coming to him and saying, look, yeah, your dad was a great guy, and we're really sorry for your loss. But, but, but can we, let's cut the business for a second. It was rough. And if you'll lighten the load, if you'll make things a little bit easier on us, we'll serve you. We won't have any problems. We'll just keep moving forward. So verse 5, Rehoboam answered, go away for three days and then come back to me. He actually starts this passage of Scripture out doing things pretty much the, the right way. Like when you're in a season, he's just lost his dad. He's now stepping into territory he's, he, that's unfamiliar his emotions are heightened, and he chooses to not make a rash decision, but give himself time to process. If you're going through hardships, if you're going through difficult circumstances, don't make big life decisions. Take time to process what's going on. So he sends them away for three days, and then it says this, then King Rehoboam consulted the elders. So, so he didn't just wait around. He, Google wasn't a thing at the time. He, you know, what do you do when you take over as king? He pulls in the elders, he pulls in the people who were the wise counsel for his father Solomon during his lifetime. And then he said, how would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. And they replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. Rehoboam hit the pause button for a moment and he's starting out doing things the right way. He's pulling in people with wisdom. He's pulling in people who are wise. He's pulling in people who have gone before him because there is an incredibly important thing that you and I have to do in life, and that is rest on the wisdom of those who have gone before us. Like, like at the, the older I get, and I'm not old yet, right? I got gray hairs and my hairline's retreating. So I'm getting older. The older I get, the more I realize that my parents weren't as dumb as I thought they were. Right? Come on. Y'all know you've thought that. Like teenagers, you thought, man, my parents don't know what they're talking about at all. But the older you get, the more you realize, man, they've done life. They've, they've got some wisdom. They've learned some things on the journey. And when you and I rest in those who have gone before us, it makes a really big difference. It's up to you and I to choose whether or not we listen to those people. But, but you and I need people in our lives that can speak wisdom, that can speak hope, that can breathe life into us because they've gone before us. I was talking with one of our young leaders the other day. My wife and I were having a conversation with her, and she was telling us about some difficulties she's going through in life right now. And I was just able to speak into her life and encourage her to say, hey, it may be hard right now, but the lessons and the things that you're going through right now 
are for a purpose. And one day you're going to have the opportunity to have another young leader sit across from the table with you and tell you the same thing. And you can speak hope. You can speak life. Because what you currently are going through doesn't have to cripple you. It can actually give you a platform. Like your greatest mess can become God's greatest message if you'll allow him to use the things that you've learned in life. Allow him to use the struggles and the uncertainty. And I learned it, man, I, I, I learned that firsthand for me. Some of you know part of our story. When we planted the church, when we started the church, things were going incredible. About six months into it, I tore my Achilles and, uh, and ended up having to get a reconstruction surgery done. In the healing process of that, I ended up tearing my other Achilles. And so in 2016, I had both of my Achilles reconstructed. You want to talk about a hard year? I preached in a wheelchair and in a boot for 42 Sundays out of 52. It was a tough year. And I hated almost every minute of it. Because I didn't think that God was trying to teach me stuff. I just let myself be miserable. And then I took a break and I, and I learned some things. And, and I remember getting a phone call from a church planner. And this guy said, hey, I don't know what to do, but a friend gave me your number. He said, you'd have some advice for me. I'm a church planter. We're six months old. And I just tore my Achilles. <laughs> I said, well, I can tell you a couple things that I learned along the way. Wisdom is incredibly important. And for those of you in here who would consider yourself a person of wisdom, you and I are responsible to take the next step and share that information with other people. What Scripture teaches us there is that's, that's the word called discipleship, that you would make the investment into others. If you have wisdom, but you're not willing to do anything about it, you don't have wisdom. If you're only willing to, to, to talk about the problems and the things that people are going through, and oh, I just don't like millennials, I wish they would do this and this, you don't have wisdom, you have pride and knowledge. Wisdom allows you and I the opportunity to share our struggles with people, to preach to them. And if you're here and you feel like you have tons of wisdom, don't complain about a generation you're not willing to equip and invest in. Because then you're not part of the solution, you're just furthering the problem. We need to be people of wisdom who share that wisdom with others. So Rehoboam calls in these, these men of wisdom. You and I need people of wisdom in our life. But then it tells us in verse 8 that Rehoboam rejected the advice that the elders gave him. And he consulted the young men who he had grown up with and were serving him. He asked them, what's your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke that your father put on us? The young men who had grown up with him replied, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them this. Tell them your little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Tell them that my father laid heavy whips or heavy yoke on you. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips and I will scourge you with scorpions. Rehoboam invited some friends that he had grown up with to now become his counsel. And in the midst of doing that, they gave him this terrible advice. If you really want to show the people who's boss, if you really want to show them who's in charge, you show them how insecure you are as a leader, and you make them follow you out of fear. Fear is not a good motivator for following. He says, if you really want, if you really want to show them who's boss, you tell them that if they thought their, your father was hard, that they ain't seen nothing yet. If they thought that, that, that what they went through before 
was difficult, they haven't experienced what you're able to bring. You strike fear in the hearts of those people, and they'll follow you out of fear. These young men gave Rehoboam some incredibly bad advice. And I believe that had Rehoboam not brought in his friends but listened to the wise counsel, the story would have ended totally different. We could have ended with verse 7, which says, if you tell the people that you'll serve them, which is what servant leadership looks like in the kingdom of God. You, you're not a leader so that others can serve you. You're a leader so that you can serve others. If, if that's how the story would have ended, we could have prayed and gone home now. But that's not. Rehoboam brings in his friends. They're having this conversation. They give him this incredibly bad advice. And then it says that, verse 12, three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam, the king, Because he had said, come back in three days. In verse 13, the king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice that the elders had given him. They gave Rehoboam some incredibly bad advice, and he took it. And as I was thinking about a lot of the decisions that I've made in my life, I can't blame anybody else for decisions that I made, because I made those decisions. However, one of the things that I've come to learn is that a lot of those bad decisions that I made were based on the people that I hung out with, were based on the friends that I surrounded myself with. It was based on the bad advice of those who were around me. So what happens to Rehoboam? Well, verse 16 goes on to tell us that the people revolted and began shouting, down with the dynasty of David. They rebel, they revolt, and they tore down the entire city, leaving Rehoboam to pick up the pieces of the empire that his family had built. And you know where his friends were? Nowhere in sight. But you and I have felt that way before in life, right? Like everything was torn down, and the people who were once around us are no longer around us, and now your life is left in shambles. I want to talk to you about putting Jesus at the center of your friendships because I believe that it's necessary for you and I as followers of Jesus to have people who are filled with wisdom, who are wise voices. If you're taking notes, I believe this, that wise voices lead to wise choices. In other words, who you have speaking into your life will ultimately dictate the course and the direction that you go on. Who you surround yourself with matters because you are a product of the environment that you're in. And, and parents, I want you to hear me say this. This is not just a good word for your teenagers. It's a good word for you too. Because what your teens are learning from you is what friendships should look like. So when you bring your friends over and, 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 it, and what you do doesn't glorify and honor God. I met, I met somebody the other week and we were talking about their, their teenager has a, a cussing problem. And four times during the story, as this parent was telling me, as they dropped the F-bomb. I'm like, oh, I wonder where they got it. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm not trying to be rude, but right? Like, you model. You're, you're a leader. The, the moment you have children, you step into a position of authority and leadership. You are paving the way and setting the way that, that your teens, your children are going to grow up. And everything you do dictates how they should live life and do life. Wise voices lead to wise choices. So if we need to find people of wisdom, 
Where do we find them? This is what God's word says about wisdom. Proverbs 2, 6 through 8 says, all wisdom comes from the Lord. Turn to somebody and say all. All right, 1030, you were terrible at that. We're going to try it again. Turn to somebody and say all. All wisdom comes from the Lord. And so does common sense and understanding. That's how you know some of your friends don't know Jesus, because they ain't got no common sense. Because all wisdom comes from the Lord. So does common sense and understanding. Verse 7, God gives helpful advice to everyone who obeys him, and he protects all of those who live as they should. And he sees that justice is done. He watches over everyone and is faithful to the, he watches over everyone who is faithful to him. I think that verse teaches us a lot about where wisdom comes from. The second note that I have for you. If, if wisdom comes from God, then wisdom comes from God and it dwells in God's people. So the reason why biblical community is so important is because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives with inside of us. For those of us who have placed our hope, our trust, our belief in Jesus. If you've said, hey God, I'm surrendering control of my life to you, the Spirit of God rests inside of you. All wisdom comes from God. Everything that you need for life and godliness, or, or really the, the word that God would use here is, is holiness, to live in a way that honors Him and glorifies Him, is wrapped up already prepackaged inside of you in the form of the Holy Spirit. But what you need to do is be around people who are stirring that on. Paul uses the words that would fan into flame what God is already doing in your life. If I surround myself with people who aren't following God, who aren't chasing after Him, who aren't really doing the things that I desire to do in my life, then those are going to be the wrong kind of people for me to be surrounded by. I remember a couple of years ago, I, I was just learning um, how to run a business and how to start a business. And I, the, I, I work bivocationally. So, so I love the local church. I serve the local church, but I do some things outside of the church. I started my own graphic design company and, and some things like that. And I remember early on in the days of, of learning how to run a business, I used to run with entrepreneurs or like entrepreneurs. You ever watch Shark Tank? <laughs> like, like, oh, you, you, you might have an idea, but you don't have the hustle or the willingness to make it happen. And the moment I started shifting the people who I was around, I got around people who were showing me how to grow a business, how to run a business, how to hire employees, how to fire employees, how to, how to do all of these things because I shifted the people who I surrounded myself with. For you and I, it's so important that we get in biblical community, that we get around God's people because wisdom comes from God and dwells in his People And here at Propel Church, I wholeheartedly believe that you weren't created to do life alone. In fact, in Acts 20, 20, Paul says, don't think that I, I've forsaken teaching you both publicly and from house to house. So don't get me wrong, I love the fact that you show up on Sundays. I think it's incredibly important. But if you only come on Sundays, you're getting 50% of God's desire for your life. Because... What God wants you to do is, is go both publicly and in environments that are house to house. I believe that the church has to grow larger and smaller at the same time. Two years ago as a church, we were, we were seeing about 80 people in average church attendance, and now it's around 250 a weekend. And in doing that, in seeing that, 
We believe that the only way you'll actually make Propel Church your home is to get connected. And I don't, I don't, we don't need you to make Propel Church your home. Hear me, hear me say this. I just want you to get connected somewhere. Like if you come to me today, we can talk in the lobby and you say, hey, Pastor, love what you're doing. This is just not my cup of tea. I'll give you 10 churches that, that I'd recommend in this area right off the gate because we're on the same team. You need to get planted in the house of God. You need to get rooted in biblical community because it makes a difference in your walk with Christ. And my heart as the pastor here is that every single person would be connected into a smaller group of people. Because the number one reason why people leave a church is because they didn't get connected. And so what we do here at Propel Church is we take time a couple times a year, three times a year, to intentionally take a Sunday and say, you need to find a group. You need to find a group. You need to find a group. And so today, 19 different groups are launching all across the, the church and all across cities. There are groups that are in Mount Pleasant. There are groups in Gold Hill. There are groups in Concord, Kannapolis, Richfield, Harrisburg. There are all kinds of locusts, all kinds of groups that are available. You need to take the next step and get connected. So I want to go over a couple of things about groups that I think are really important for you to know. And the first one is that groups only last for 12 to 14 weeks. We do that so that you have an easy on-ramp and an easy off-ramp. Like, I don't know about you, but, but I've done things 12 times that I didn't enjoy, right? It's the commitment to biblical community that I believe really does make a difference. And not only that, there are groups that meet weekly, but there are groups that meet monthly, and there are groups that meet biweekly. I think you just need to take the next step to get plugged in to community. If you give me 12 to 14 weeks of your life, I believe it can change it forever if you'll just take the next step. So there's an easy on-ramp, an easy off-ramp. We don't do blood oaths or anything like that today. The only thing we ask is, is that as you leave the auditorium, you stop by a table and you make the next step to sign up for a group. But let me go over a couple of these groups with you. What you'll notice is that these are color-coordinated. And as you exit the auditorium, you're going to know that there are sections of these teal color tables. There are sections of red tables, blue tables, gray tables, crimson, and navy. All of these tables are what we call hubs. These are categories that groups fall under so that you can get connected and find the perfect group for you. So maybe you're, you, you know that if there's one group that I think every single person in their life needs to go through, it's this thing called freedom. What freedom allows you and I to do is to settle our yesterdays and walk into all that God has for us. So if you've ever felt like there's something that might be holding you back, or maybe you're like, I don't have any issues, freedom is perfect for you. Because freedom is something that, that we tell every leader, every person they should go through. It gives you the opportunity to get the tools and the resources you need to live out the rest of your life honoring God. And so there's four groups available. There are two men's groups and two women's groups both a men and a women's group are on Tuesday, and a men and a women's group are on Thursday. You need to get connected. There are groups that are like hangouts where, man, maybe you're like, hey, I don't know if I'm really up for a Bible study or anything like that, but, but like Daniel and Donna's group, that's a couple's group, and you can go eat wings in Jesus' name. Come on. The Lord blesseth chicken wings. 
Or maybe you're like, hey, I'm, I'm a musician and I love to play music. There's, there's groups for that. Maybe you want to watch a movie or play a game or go play some disc golf. There are hangout groups that are there. The important thing is you need to shift and get in community with God's people. On the other side, there are men's groups. These are some monthly groups where you can go hang out by a fire pit or you can hang out and eat some food. There are Bible studies that are available. There's, there's prayer. There's things like the, the financial freedom. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with your finances. We talked about finances last week. Financial freedom is ran by our CFO, Allie Pickett. She is incredible, and I think that if you need to get your finances on track, that's the perfect next step for you. There's groups if you've been divorced and remarried. There's groups if you're on the Daniel plan. For some of you, you just we just came out of a season. We ended yesterday, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And a lot of us were doing the Daniel fast. It's where you don't eat meats, sweets, or breads for 21 days. I know, I know. And your boy did it, and I broke it yesterday with a meat lover's omelet in Jesus' name. It's incredible. See, the, 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 the purpose of fasting is not, doesn't change your diet. It changes your vision. Like, it changes the way you see. It changes the way you see God. It changes the way you encounter him. And and it was an incredible experience. Maybe you want to take that next step and go through the Daniel. Or there's women's groups that are available as well. My wife is, is leading a women's group. There's Ashley McMillan who's leading a group for moms. They're going out to have breakfast. Angie Scaff, and, and there's several other ladies. One of the things that I love about this is, is almost every single one of these groups has more leaders. They just wouldn't all fit on the page. And this mom's group at the bottom is really, really important to me. It's called Not Alone. Some of you know this and some of you don't. I, I have an autistic brother. His name is Kevin. He's out here sometimes. Got headphones on in the lobby, just kind of walking around. Sometimes he's talking to himself, and sometimes he'll, he'll strike up a conversation with you. We really feel called to, to be a part of helping families with special needs kids. And this is the first step we're taking in that direction to create an environment where moms of special needs kids can have a place where they can come in and you're going to be around like-minded people who are going through similar struggles, who are going through similar things, and they can take the next step to help you and come around you and say you're not alone in what you're going through. And then last, we've got students. And students is one of those that's really important to me as well because parents, this is for your 6th through 12th graders. We, we run it in small group format because we don't need your kids to fall in love with biblical community after they get back from college. We need them to understand the importance of surrounding themselves with godly people and like-minded people before they ever go off to school. So this is, this students has its own hub now, but we're working on transitioning it to four different groups that meet all throughout the area so that we can accommodate more students and we can teach kids to fall in love with with biblical community. But parents, you set the way for your teens. So I'll say this, parents, don't, don't just sign up your kid to get in a group if you're not willing to sign up for a group. Take the next step. Model it for them. Show them the importance of it. So for example, parents, if you want to get your 6th through 12th grade students signed up, you're going to walk out into the auditorium, you're going to find the navy-colored tables, and you're going to go sign up for that group. Maybe you want to sign up for Angie's prayer group that's in the studies. You're going to go out and you're going to find the gray table that has Angie's name on it and you're going to sign up for studies. Again, what I'm asking you for is 12 to 14 weeks of your life. And I believe 
that can make all the difference in the world. When you and I take the time and put the intentional effort into seeing what God can do as we put Jesus in the center of our friendships. Let's pray, and then you'll be released to go find a group. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. And as we wrap up our time together today, God, I pray that you would show every single person the need and the value of putting you at the center of our friendships. God, I pray you would help people find the right group for them, that their life would be changed forever. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, you're free to go. Have a great day.